Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories. So let's get together and tune our imaginations. Language is where I begin today. Language is human connection. I love language, grammar, communications. I've always immersed myself in dictionaries, stories, books, and words. And if you listen to this show, you know that probably the most difficult part of my role as the host of Arts Any Radio is that there are times when I have oopsies with mispronunciation. Or pronunciation, I guess. I'm the one making the mispronunciation. I'm always doing my best, but sometimes my brain gets stuck on an idea of how something sounds, or it just does not compute from my brain to my mouth. And you know, there's something that I learned this week that really intrigues me. I was introduced to another variation of the rules of pronunciation. I drove past a Mexican restaurant. I was driving with a companion, and I said the name of the restaurant and noted to my companion that we should go there and again and and enjoy that food again. My passenger said that I shouldn't say it like I was Mexican. I didn't understand. I thought I was being respectful, and it was fun to say the Mexican words in the name. He told me that I should Americanize the name, and then said the name in the way that he thought we should say the words. I'm still puzzling over this. Which way should I say it? I thought that was really interesting, and I've been thinking about that this week. Another way language came up this week was my book club read The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. It's a story about the creation of the Oxford English Dictionary, a.k.a. the OED. The book is about how words are collected, added to the dictionary, and the making of the definitions. All of this work is done by lexographers, and the book is lovely. It had never occurred to me the process of creating the OED and how who was in the room affected the outcome. I love dictionaries. Even at one point in my childhood, I put a dictionary on the shelf in my nightstand because I intended to read it. (laughs) Over the years, I've realized that, of course, that's impossible to know all of the words. Just try watching uh, the Scripps Spelling Bee final, and you will know there are a lot of words you do not know, and that the dictionary is just a starting place, not a finite road. One of the things during our book club discussion we talked about were words and learning words and slang and the power of words. Our fascinating discussion was about how so many other cultures speak many languages. That was something we we thought about as well as we were reading this book. We we'd marveled at the Ukrainians who have conducted television interviews in English. I'm amazed anyone can converse in multiple languages. Diplomats and immigrants have this language skill in common. 
I know I speak some Spanish, but I couldn't imagine being interviewed for a broadcast in Spanish. How could I do that? I don't have the nuances of the language mastered. My vocabulary is limited. Sometimes I can't recall things, and my verb tenses get wild and wander. How do we make it easier for us to communicate across languages? Maybe we all need a dictionary to help us with these conversations. Not just a dictionary of words, but a collection of references to our culture, maybe ourselves and our preferences. Just think about how hard it is to master communication with your spouse, your parents, your kids, your boss. These are the people you're around all the time, and that is even sometimes difficult to know that you're on the same page and that you're speaking about the same thing. There's so much more to communication than an online translation app or a vocabulary lesson. We must admit that we aren't that great at communicating, that we could all improve our ability to relate to others. I especially think about our communication after this pandemic. I'm finding myself a bit clunky in groups now. We need to keep trying, and maybe as we get comfortable with this awkwardness, we can use this opportunity to try to get to know others in our community. Perhaps strike up a conversation with a neighbor. Start with something simple and open the door. Look for that opportunity to meet someone unlike you. Try to traverse the gap between you, even if it means being a little uncomfortable or if you stumble for the words. It's the act of making the connection that matters, and it's that human connection that we need. Today on Art Zany Radio, I am going to be talking about the new, and here we go, folks, Le Cause à Fall. I did my best. <laughs> that's that's going to be a trick I'm going to be stuck on all during the show. We're talking today with uh, Juliana Guskujacek, which is another word that I have struggled to pronounce. Juliana, welcome to Art Zany Radio. Well, thank you. You are the artistic director of the Merlin Players and the director of this production. And Eric Parrish is here. He is the music director, and you're an actor in this production. So yes, welcome to Art Zany Radio. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm very excited about this show. I think this is such a big show, and this is uh, something it was um, originally... Uh, Music and Lyrics by Jerry Herman, book by Harvey Fi- Firestein, who people know. Maybe it's Firestein. Firestein. Steen, okay. Yep. See, another one of those things you look at and you, you know, you could go either way. You have to guess. And that's, I think that's, you know, what makes communicating challenging. But also, you know, if we ask what preferences are, what's right, that's when it, it, it works to be able to make those connections. So this show opens up next weekend. It's going to be at the Paradise Center for the Arts. Get more details at themerlinplayers.org or paradisecenterforthearts.org. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I'd love for you to start with an introduction about yourself and maybe a little bit about uh, language and pronunciation and uh, how you do with that uh, in the world. Juliana, would you want to start? Um, well, we can start with my last yes, name. Yes, let's do that. That's where, <laughs> one of the inspirations for this. My father used to say that you had to sneeze my last name. Oh, I like Sklozacek. that. <laughs> Sklu, so it's like... A- Bless you. <laughs> Say it one more time. Sklozacek. I like the way you make the head motion that people on the, the radio won't see because you're <laughs> doing that. That's wonderful. Um, I have wanted to direct this play for a long time. I'm really glad that after a two-year wait that we're able to bring it to the stage. Uh, 
Eric and I have talked about doing it together for a very long time, and so it's um, it's worked out. And of course, I had to pair him up with Michael after they did a year with Frog and Toad together. Michael Lambert. Um, they have great onstage chemistry, and the the show is joyous and funny and so touching because it's at the center of it. It is a love story, and I, it just, you know, the last couple, the last week as it really pulled together, the show did. I just, I just looked at what so many people had worked so hard the last six or seven weeks creating. And it's, it looks pretty wonderful. Yeah, and you're already, you've got a whole other week of rehearsals. I know. We, it's a very techie show, lots of moving parts. So. <laughs> I would imagine. And thank you for coming to tell our audience about the show. And Eric, tell us about um, language in your world. And I think Parrish isn't easy. Eric is pretty easy. Parrish, do... do I get a lot of earache. Oh, earache. really? Yep. That was... I got teased a lot in high school for uh, earache. Earache. Yeah. I have not heard that. Yeah, I, that was a big thing. But yeah, Parrish is pretty standard. Although I have two H's in my name, so lots of people... I always tell people I'm German and not dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and and you are have been involved with theater for a long time. Tell us about your theater story. Yeah, well, my dad was the high school theater director at Medford High School for, well, before I was born. And so I grew up helping him uh, do that. And I met Juliana in 20, no, 94. You, you were in the ninth grade. Yeah, around 94. Yeah. Yeah. And he was one of our first Merlin players, um, honorary Merlin players. We have high schoolers that we still intern into the program into the theater and then you have some requirements that you have to fulfill and then after that you um are you become an honorary Merlin player and your name's in the program forevermore and um also you start getting paid for doing the job <laughs> wow <laughs> not so, a lot of money but if yeah. you're if you're 16 <laughs> the right so yeah, you knew the, from an early age then that theater was something you wanted to pursue yeah, well, my dad was a music teacher and my mom was a piano teacher. And so I was, you know, I just, I grew up with that, mm -hmm. you know, and, a, and a, a wide variety because, you know, my mom was into the 50s rock and roll thing and my dad was into folk music and jazz. And, you know, we were very active at our church. So it, I, you know, had it from all the angles of, <laughs> Of, of music, and I think that love of music kind of transferred to, to theater and performing. And am I remembering correctly that you're a teacher as yeah. well? Mm -hmm. Where do you teach? I teach at Minnesota West Community and Technical College. It's in Worthington, Minnesota, and uh, I've just finished my 15th year there, which is unbelievable. Yeah, I can't believe that. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, yeah. that's a long ways away from here. It is. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I enjoy it. Um, my dad still lives in Medford on our family farm. So when I'm up here, I stay out there in my old high school room with, <laughs> there are still stuffed animals from the eighties in there. It's, it's, it's a, it's a thing. That, that must be a trick to go back. <laughs> it is a little bit. There are pictures of me in old high school musicals of like the cowardly lion and things. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> 
I think that's pretty great. And I bet your kids appreciate if you tell stories yeah. about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> and this, as you mentioned, Juliana, is a show that you wanted to do for a couple of years. And it's also a show that's rarely produced. I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Tell us why the Merlin players wanted to take on the challenge or how you knew you were ready to do that. Well, I knew that we could find the talent to do it because I know that people um, are in our community that want us to do more challenging shows and want to do more challenging shows. Also, I wrote a grant with the Southeastern Minnesota Arts Council, and one of the big focuses of the show technically um, is the, the costume design. Right. And so I wrote a grant, and we got $4,000 for costumes, which we've never had before. And so uh, I asked my good friend, Mary Butler Frazier, if she would take on the challenge. And she said she would love to. I'm not sure if she's still thinking she <laughs> would love to. but <laughs> After the show, you can ask her. Yeah. But they, she and her sidekick, Jackie Osland, have brought together a collection of bugle beads and feathers and oh, anything else you could think of the costumes are beautiful just beautiful and um they're really going to make the show i mean in the first dance number uh we are what we are the kajels who are the female impersonators um change your clothes three times eric changes his clothes six times in the first act that's amazing. And, and we were talking just before, and that's not just, you know, put on a jacket, change your hat. You're doing full, like... Full uh, corset, dress, <laughs> wigs, boas, lots of everything everywhere. I have glitter everywhere. It's in my car. It's at home. <laughs> it's like, in yeah, it's everywhere. The, the biggest <laughs> challenge for Mary was to find a pair of um, shoes that would fit a man... Yeah, you wore I wear a size 15. A, I wear a 15 shoe, so I have some... And you need heels for this very show. Very large heels. <laughs> We've had all the guys in their heels for the last three weeks. They needed to start learning how to walk on them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is going to be fun. And for people who don't know the show, maybe we should talk about the yeah. story. Yes. With, tell us a little bit about the characters and the story in La Cage of Vaux. Yeah, so if you've... Um, if you've seen The Birdcage, which was a film, oh, I don't know, 20 years maybe, with um, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. it's So Le Cage au Faux is a play from the 70s, and so this musical um, is was written in the, 1983, and that film, The Birdcage, they're both based on the same play. So if you know that film, you basically know the plot. There's um, Georges, who owns a... Uh, a, a nightclub um we would probably call it a drag club today but mm -hmm. and the french riviera and um zaza um his other half partner uh is the star of the of the show and george is a child from a previous um relationship, relationship. dalliance maybe <laughs> yeah um and uh, that son is wanting to get married to uh, a nice young uh, young lady who is the daughter of a conservative politician and so then 
hilarity and disguise and intrigue ensues. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds like a great setup. But um, a lot. So this is about their meeting, right? Of the families coming together. Yeah, and I, that's kind of the main event. But you know what it really is about is about how we treat each other in relationships mm-hmm. and what it means to love another person and and how do we show that love and how do we um, express that and sometimes it hurts and sometimes you know uh, people people kind of hold their tongue because they love other people to support them and when and those people then can can see that you know what 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 it really means to be loved right and Mm -hmm. i think there's a great moment in the second act where you know getting to the resolution of things and the the sun and um we make eye contact and it's just i get tears in my eyes every time because it's just this powerful moment and uh i'm so glad i don't have to say anything in that scene because i'm like trying to hold back the tear <laughs> so yeah so you create that emotion night yeah. after night yeah and and does that come from the partnership is that with uh your castmate michael that moment is um, with uh, the the gentleman who plays the son. His name is Nick Finken, who is a friend of mine from um, Mankato State. Um, but yeah, Michael and I, Michael plays George and I play Zaza. Okay, okay. And, um, you know, it's really easy to have chemistry with someone you've known for 20 years, you know. And this is our third show together. Second. Um, are you counting 1776? Was he in that? Yeah, he was. Yeah, so this is our third show. There were so many people in that that I can't remember who was in it because everybody was in 76. Um, but yeah, this is our third show together. And, um, you know, it's just, you kind of get used to it's family, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. yeah, and this cast and crew, I don't think you could do this show without the stellar cast and crew that you have. So we should talk a little bit about not only the onstage characters, but then backstage you've got some really spectacular folks working too. Well, and um, a number of people with Northfield roots, um, you know, holding the whole pit orchestra down and having sat at the piano for the last six weeks as we, you know, rehearse the show as Peter Webb. Oh, I didn't um, see that. That's a wonderful connection. Yes. And then also Sherry Seychelle is our choreographer. She's a marvelous choreographer and just happened to choreograph Frog and Toad, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, anything Sherry does, I'm in. <laughs> she, <laughs> she can make people move and has this great way of teaching people that you, you can see on stage. It comes alive because of, of the movements, and that's equally as important as the, the words on in, in the or the songs. You've got to have that all come together. Yeah, yeah and we, we just um, put out a call for, you know, people to... Um, that we needed, um, we, it just, we didn't really go looking for them, but it just so happened that we have eight members of the LGBTQ plus community in the show. And, um, and I don't think, uh, Harvey Firestein could get that done on Broadway because the producers wouldn't let him. Really? Yes. Yeah. The original cast one of them was straight like and so and he 
the, both characters were not played by openly gay men until the when he, he himself, Harvey Farstein, went into the 2010 revival. Um, I did not realize yeah. that. Wow, that we've come a long way. We have. We the thing that's really fascinating is how much how far we have come during the shutdown. Like I don't. It's kind of hard for people. To, I think, for, especially for me, to 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 realize how much has changed because we were all tucked away, <laughs> right? And 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 the world evolved very rapidly during that time and as we are starting to emerge again you know from our from our corners of the world <laughs> um things are very different and i th- it's it's taking me and i think a lot of people um you know especially in my circle some some adjustment mm. for that um but in, a, in in positive ways and probably some not positive ways you're right. You're right. And we have to keep opening those doors and keep connecting people and letting people hear stories that are, you know, maybe not familiar or yeah. look at characters and and see love stories that, uh, you know, play yeah, re- out. Representation is really, really, really important. So I, wanna, so I went back to school during the pandemic. <laughs> I went back to grad school. Oh, as a student. As a student. Because he only had two masters. <laughs> well, I'm working on my second, yes. Yeah. And, and um, so one of the things that I have been um, interested in is LGBTQ theater and and representation. So often we see, you know, previously we see characters that were... Um, that are gay, that are very stereotypical. I mean, I think most people think immediately of Will and Grace and just Jack, you know, and we have these very kind of stereotypical figures of what we think it means to be a gay man uh, in pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. And La Cage was the first musical to ever focus on a same-gendered couple. And it was a very big deal in 1983. Um, I... It, it beat out um, Sunday in the Park with George, the Stephen Sondheim musical, for the Tony that season, which is a... F- that's just a whole fascinating can of worms for me to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the only musical that's ever won the Tony three times for for the original production, the 2004 revival, and the 2010 revival. And representation matters. And, and to speak to Juliana's point about actors who have come to be to be with us in this show i mean they they came to us <laughs> you know and because this this is an opportunity for them to be themselves you know one of the fascinating parts of my job in worthington is we're one of the most <coughs> ethnically diverse communities in uh, the state of minnesota and to to do theater there in a way um that is represent representative of the student body is very difficult because I, I have to always ask someone to compromise, mm. right? And because um, a lot of times when we talk about race in, in art and theater, we treat it as a dichotomy. We don't treat it as a community. And so it's always us and them. It's never 
we. And sometimes theater and books and art are places where we try to sort through some of that. But that's the first place where some of those questions are answered. Absolutely, it is. And I think that's what makes art and, you know, having these experiences in a, you know, imagined piece is the first way people, some the entry point into understanding those differences. Yeah, culture has this very fascinating way of, of like you say, dealing with topics. Like we, we, we create this topic inside and it kind of has this little pathway of going through kind of philosophy and then maybe um, kind of writing art and then through visual art. And, you know, often music, um, when I was a voice, you know, opera voice major 20 years ago, <laughs> Uh, the the joke was that opera was kind of always the last <laughs> art piece to to get the the movement of that mm-hmm. right but yeah that's exactly right we 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 process things externally and as a society through our art which is why art and music and the performing arts is so important in our schools you know and as we begin to have more conversations about school funding and why watch that like Minneapolis cutting their arts. It's heartbreaking because the, I'm sorry, but the arts is how we're going to deal with the mental health issue. That was a result of the pandemic and having live performance and having the opportunity to feel what it's like to express yourself in a, in a safe way and having the opportunity to be in someone else's shoes. That's what I think is so powerful about the performing arts and using your imagination because you can feel what it is to have the experience of not what yourself of not yourself. Mm -hmm. And that goes for the people on stage and the people in the audience and behind the scenes as they're working to build the show. I mean, that's so profound folks. I want to remind you, this is art zany radio for the imagination. I'm Paula Granquist. I'm here with Juliana Skluchat. Oh, Skuzacek. Very close. I tried. <laughs> I was. I did the head nod. You guys on the radio won't be able to <laughs> hear. And, and maybe I was just uh, goofed up by that. Um, and Eric Parrish, we're talking about La Cage au Fall. And this is um, just a, a really, it does touch on some of those serious things too, but it's also a really uh, fast-paced, fun show, right? Oh, it, yeah. It's so joyous. It's, it's Jerry Herman. He wrote Hello, Dolly. <laughs> In Mame. Oh, I didn't make yeah. the connection. So, yeah, Hello, Dolly, Mame, kind of his two famous pieces. This is the last kind of main stage show that he wrote, and I think it's his best score. I really do. It's just, it's it's just joyous, and it's loving, and it's so funny. The character of the um, butler who wants to be a maid, uh, Jacob, <laughs> is played by Patrick Brocker. He lives out here by Webster, but... Um, and he he's, he also changes his clothes like six times in the first act. He's having an identity problem, and um, <laughs> uh, and it's just so much fun. But at the core of it is, as Eric was saying, is that you know um, lovely expression of affection of of people for each other, and um, you know. Everyone gets to love somebody. Mm-hmm. The book is very witty. I mean, Harvey Firestein oh, yes. is is just 
he's very he's smart. I mean, if you think this was in the eighties, it was the kind of the height of his. He was just coming off of you know all of his Tonys from the plays that he was writing, and to to come into this book, um, it's just so it's so smart and it's tight, and it's there's a lot of great one-liners. <laughs> and to kind of speak to your earlier point about language, I love. Um, there's a lot of reversal of language in this show. So, what do you mean by re- reversal? So, um, like a lot of conversations that we have in the show are are reversed of what things that I have experienced. So, as an openly gay man, right? Um, conversations about oh, you know, people have say some rather off-putting things, you know, sometimes, and so to to be able to be in this show. And uh, say things, you know, like when Jean-Michel, the son, is wanting to get married. I'm like, oh, you're marrying a woman. Where did we go wrong? And, and things like those <laughs> kinds of it. jokes. Oh, my goodness. It's the reverse. So there are so many things that I have been, you know, have been said to me over the years that now I get to say back. <laughs> oh, he, he has this great line with his scene with, um, with Jean-Michel. It says, um, Jean-Michel says, but I love. But I love her, and I, uh, um, I, and I want to marry her. And Eric replies, "Well, I love women too, but I wouldn't want to marry one." <laughs> <laughs> and it's just—it's so funny. It's just really, really funny. But it, but because at the core of it is—is is two parents mm-hmm. trying to reconcile themselves with the fact that one, their child was old enough to get married. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit of a you know, wake up call for both of them. And also the fact that um, she's marrying, he wants to marry into a family that is different than their values. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was a nice way of putting it. But isn't that <laughs> true of every marriage? I well, think. <laughs> and I think that's what this, that's what makes it so universal. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what makes the show so relevant right now. I mean, it's, it really is the conversation of, we don't see the world the same way, but yet, because of love, we are having to, you know, overlap our worlds and our boundaries. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what's really cool about it. Well, let's talk about language in terms of the, f- the fact that this was in French first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's, you know, obviously going to be in English for, for uh, the play. Mm-hmm. How, what comes up in the, in the production about language and that, that translation? Well, the title for one thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we practice saying it, and I still am not confidently saying it. So it literally the, means birdcage. Well, yeah. So the the term "fall" is it's kind of a it, it bird a crazy woman kind of a pick you know like the oh. pick a little talk a little kind of not literally like a parrot or a robin. Yeah, but. that kind of crazy woman thing. But in the France and in the that in the 70s and the 80s it's it's slang for queen like a drag queen and so i'm so glad i asked this question because yeah. i did not know that yeah so it really means the cage of the queens which is this what this nightclub is which is why the club is called so the title of the show is what the club is called in the show right that makes sense and, and are there any uh dialogue things that turn on the french language that the actors had to learn french there is we have a lot of fr- French phrases that mm-hmm. we um, speak, and I 
I'm constantly correcting. <laughs> What's harder? Because I think a lot of times there are British shows where the, people have to put on a British accent. French is, I think French is much harder. Yeah, we're not really doing French accents because no. of the the kind of intelligibility of the, <laughs> right, trying to get it. Um, I think Zaza has a lot of affectations to her pronunciation. I, I find her to be rather, well, I mean, she is rather dramatic, right? And she's also kind of the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, the the characters' names meant George and Jacob, but I always say George and Jacob, and, you know, just because I feel like that's kind of her level of how she lives her life. Yeah, that's her way of, of being center stage, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just kind of affecting how she presents herself in the world. Oh, and we talked a lot about costumes, but I want to talk about Matt Drenth, who built me an actual birdcage. That's fabulous. I saw his name on the list, and I thought, oh, goodness. It's like 12 feet high. Oh, not just a stand. but Yeah, we're at the cage that we're all in. So, like, the dancers. How many fit in the... There's seven of us in there. (laughs) Wow, my mind is blown. Yeah, feathers and various headpieces and... (laughs) So it has to be really tall. It is very tall because I've got the heels. It's like a, a peacock at the top of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a suspiciously tall woman in drag. <laughs> right. In addition to your real my height, heels, the heels, my hair, and then the plumes. It's about seven and a half feet. Whoa! <laughs> That's gonna look great on stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Michael is so short, so then the height disparity between the two of us is hysterical. <laughs> And you play it up, I'm oh, of course, sure. Of, of course. course. Yes. And wow, that I mean you do have really great resources. That's gonna make for a beautiful part of the show. And you know, I was thinking about when I first heard we were gonna do this, I went and I found the, found the trailer for the original movie. Okay. And it was all in French, so I didn't understand a word they were saying. But I loved watching the trailer because these actors I could kind of get the story because of just there's so much that's told to us through how we move um you know facial expressions and i I would imagine for this show that that uh you know you have to take all of that on too right and and how you explain display your emotions but you have to both do it as a character who's over the top and trying to be sincere. So how do you manage that piece of it? A 15-minute lesson on how to sit like a lady, Eric. <laughs> Let's hear about that. That sounds like a good story. Yes, she keeps telling me that I need to sit with my legs together. That you ankles a, crossed. Ankles. I'm a bit of a man spreader, so... <laughs> It's like, oh, I can't do that. Right. Got it. Yeah. Th- those are the subtle things, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That, and there's a whole song about it called Masculinity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we haven't mentioned the music. You're the music director in the yeah. show as well. And so th- I, f- I find that really interesting how you um, are inhabiting this this man playing a woman, you know, in a, and the way that, that you are... Um, presenting on stage and you're being combining yourself with this character yeah so i think this is this is a bucket list role for me um probably number two on my bucket list does that prompt the question what's number one the number one is we put that out in the world sweeney todd oh i would like to do that ironically george hearn who was the original zaza played both roles on broadway he was the originator of 
I, was he the original Sujitani or did he go into the, he might have been the first replacement I mm-hmm. can't remember mm-hmm. but he he played both roles so like this is my voice type right <laughs> so we're putting it out there yeah and so I've auditioned uh, for that show four times and I've never been cast in it so like somebody I'm getting to the point where I'm getting to be old enough to do it <laughs> maybe that was it <laughs> yeah uh, we'll just go with that <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think this character is especially challenging because we, he, first off he's Alban, right? In, in this relationship, he's Zaza, the, the, the performer. Right. And then, you know, spoiler alert, he be, he inhabits the role of Jean-Michel's mother, um, mm. later in the second act. So there's that trend. Yeah. You've got to so do there's all three of that. different characters and I have to sing, as all three characters. So I have been trying to play with ways of how to affect my voice, but you know, just beyond the lines of doing that to, to how do you affect your singing voice? Cause at the same time, it's still baritone range singing. Right. And so it, it's a big, it's a big challenge. But he gets to play with his voice a lot. I mean, because he has such a deep voice. What's the one line that you say that you? you oh well, I'm trying your... to play. So then, so then, another piece of this is they're trying to pass me off as Uncle Albert, and so I use my real low voice <laughs> when I'm doing that. But it's fun to have that. You know, the dexterity of my voice to 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 play with that, and then the dexterity of accent and language to to you know affect how you know how mom's voice is much more light and. And, you know, and Uncle Albert's voice is way down here. And then Zaza's voice is very, you know, like these. <laughs> and, wow. Yeah. And so to have the, the, this is why it's a bucket list role for me. It's a huge challenge. I have not been on stage since the guild up here did the Pirates of Penzance. And I was the Pirate King, which was five years ago. And it was very intimidating to to go in oh you have six costume changes and five songs and you know you're on stage for 37 of the 45 pages of the first act and i'm used to playing villains <laughs> where you know you sing one song you have three scenes and then you get to take a snack break in the first <laughs> yeah this is intense on so many levels it's so many intense. levels it's intense and um i'm so grateful that i get to to do this you know juliana was like what's on your bucket list i was like well these things <laughs> so and we were going to do sweeney todd and we got beat out well, yeah some other or local organization did it so then this like the up. year we wanted to do it so <laughs> yeah there is yeah i have to worry like, about that yeah. yeah there'll be a chance there'll I be a chance so. Well, folks, we should tell people that this show opens on June 17th. So that's next Friday. A week from today. And it runs for uh, two weekends, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first weekend. Mm -hmm. And Friday and Saturday are at 7.30, Sunday at 2. And then the following week, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And all of that information is at themerlinplayers.org. Or you can go to paradisecenterforthearts.org. You can get there, tickets there. Yeah, are there links for tickets both both places? Yes. Correct. And, and yep. the um, we just want people to come and just enjoy this wonderful play, enjoy the music and the performances and the spectacle they're going to get to see in terms of costumes and 
you know, and, and, and that bird cage and a bird cage. <laughs> it's just a gold bird cage. It's not just a. It's gold and it's seven. No, how 12 tall? Feet. Twelve feet tall. Mm-hmm. The opening is seven and a half for me to get through. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> I know when that Matt was building the opening for the like the doorway archway into it. He said, "So how tall is Eric?" And so I said, "I think he's about six five. And he said. Yeah, so how tall is Eric with the wig on <laughs> and high heel? And the plumes. And the oh, I those said, feathers. You're going to have to make that thing at least seven feet tall. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So. That's going to be glorious to see on stage. And there's so much in this show. And folks um, should get their tickets now. Uh, you get, their tickets are they're for selling, sale. They're selling really well. So you might not want to just wait to walk up to this show. Okay, that's a good so. tip. Um, and those people who have been to the Paradise before and who may have had concerns about the sound, um, so over the pandemic, they were able to secure um, some new sound panels, and they got installed over Memorial Day weekend. And oh, I they're have in. To, I have to tell you, the first they had about half of them in there, and that one day in rehearsal was immediately noticeable um, how much improved the sound quality so big shout out to Heidi Nelson and the Paradise team that made that happen because it is significant even Bill um Sight the bass player um he came to us like it, did they do something in here and I'm like yes they put sound panels in and so it was much improved That's, much much improved we also have other Northfield musicians in the show we have Simon McDonald who's playing drums drums and um uh, who else? Oh, um, Jesse Streets, who's playing clar- clarinet. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, coming in as a substitute second keyboard player is Jane Moore. Moore. Um, any, anyone else you can think of? I think that's it. And Bill. Yep. And Bill. And then we have also have a trombone player, Joel Ron, who's probably done 15 shows with us in Faribault. So it's li- I love the fact that it's live music yeah. that makes such a difference in I a show. Know. Well, there's an electricity that happens when you have a live pit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in any other way. And yeah. so, um, and now with, like you said, with the sound um, treatment in, it's uh, having the pit up in the balcony really, really works. So. Yeah, so a lot of the people um you know they're playing digital instruments so it's it's easy to mix the sound and so the pit is up above the audience oh that'll be a new experience yeah and that i think is helpful because it helps with the balance in terms of the your experience in the and, theater and the stage is kind of filled with <laughs> yeah well yeah there's what 17 18 of us on stage? 17 yeah so and there's an eight-piece orchestra and then there's furniture and costumes and you yeah. guys are going all oh. out for this show. Yeah. Yep. That's, yes. That's pretty extraordinary. Other Northfielders in this show are Evra Weiser and Susan Dunhop and Tanner Jorgensen. Elijah and, Lear. Um, Who would you say? Elijah Lear is yeah. in it. Um, actually, Elijah had to drop out when St. Olaf changed their choir tour. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, yeah. Sarah, oh. he's, he's gone on choir tour. Oh, yeah, well, that was, he was listed, and I was excited to see him. So, yeah, that's that's he'll be in another production at another <laughs> I time. I hope so. He's a very talented young man, mm-hmm. and um, but he was replaced by Nick Nick, Nick Finken. So, um, a couple of the people in the show are um, 
speaking of representation, um, so as a grad student at Mankato, I, I'm doing a theater degree in directing. And um, we did a play last year called um, Next Fall, which is a mm. modern LGBT story. And um, Nick and Jonathan, who are both in this show, um, played opposite each other um, in, in that play that I directed. And so when we were in the need of a few extra um, mm -hmm. people for our show, I invited them to come over. And um, it's just, it's a little bit weird for me to be like, Around Juliana has known me since I was fourteen, you know. And then Peter and I, who work web, who we work together professionally as musicians, and then having some of my, you know, essentially students or classmates from Mankato to to be there. It's a very dy weird dynamic for me to be like. Here's your life. Yeah, it really, it really, really is that. It, 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 it's the wonderful thing about theater, though, is I have friends of all ages. I mean, and I love that. I love that I, my d demographic for friendships is not just one age. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot. Larry Tolley's in the show. He's from oh, Northfield. Yes. That's right. And his wife, Rebecca, is doing some special artwork for us on the back Special wall. quote. Quotes, quotations, okay. special. She's extraordinary. So I yeah. can't. I would imagine she's come up with something spectacular. Yeah. So she's coming in this afternoon to finish that. Up. <laughs> I can't wait. So there's so much in this show, and I think you know just so much to think about. Not only it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I like some of these shows that not only give you a fun experience, but it gives you some things to think about and take away. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like. Uh, we should talk about the idea of this show, even though it was written, you know, gosh, I don't know how many years ago that would have been. Are we talking 40, 50 years ago? Which I, I can't uh, believe. It's 35-ish, 1983. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I lose track. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but I was born in 1980, so that's how I kind of remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little before that. Uh, and and so it, it you know, it, it, it holds up. Let's talk about how it holds up over the course of, of all those years. I think that um, certainly the themes that are played out in the musical um, are m more relevant today than ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of um, starting to understand the world through other people's eyes and through a different lens. Um, I would like to just say that there is absolutely no swearing in the show. So there might be some adult situations, but well, yeah, and there's some innuendo, of mm -hmm, course, mm -hmm. yeah. because it's witty and it's Harvey. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think that, um, what was the question? This is early for me. Uh, <laughs> just how it carries through, even though it was written, you know, decades right. ago, maybe, I, you know, I think maybe it's equally as important now. I think because, we used to have riots in the streets about these things, mm. you know, Stonewall and things like that. Um, and now these um, fights are being carried out in, in um, Senate, you know, mm -hmm. congressional settings and um, with the Supreme Court and that sort of thing. It looks oh so much more polite, but it's not any less of a battle. That's a really well, key point. I think one of the interesting things that a lot of the LGBTQ plays that we think are significant, you know, in terms of Angels in America mm -hmm. and sure. Love, Valor, and Compassion, and, and even La Caja Fall, 
they were written pre-gay marriage, right? And so to think about... Oh, I didn't even... That didn't occur to me. Yeah, yeah, to think about these relationships that are, you know, that were essentially marriages, right? Um, and and to look at them now in that post-lens of having the, the right to get married, and hopefully we can keep that right, mm-hmm. um, it... It's it still is a story, and I think in some ways it, it makes it even more powerful because of the perseverance that those individuals had to um, endure and put up with, and you know, do the the things to 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 make their world, you know, um, who they are. The closing number of Act One, "I Am What I Am," was very much like the you know the gay anthem. Um, you know, in the eighties, when you think, you know, the, the AIDS crisis that was going on and the, just the attack, um, on so many members of the community. And as we're sitting here today and, you know, we're having these fights again about trans, mm-hmm. um, individuals and, and, and that right, those rights, it's, we, you know, we need to remember that we need to include, are trans and bisexual and, you know, um, friends in, you know, as we celebrate pride, right. Mm -hmm. It's not just about gay men and we're, it's a community and it's a community that has fought together and has persevered together. And I think that that's what this show in a very specific way says universally. And that's important for us to see on the stage and for people to, uh, experience, you know, maybe maybe this would be their first exposure to the world of, you know, drag or the world of any any type of of you know relationship that's a gay gay relationship, and that's that's a it's an okay a safe place to start. Absolutely, yes, and, and it's all wrapped up in this big shiny present <laughs> with great music, choreography, and laughter, and and it's being told to you by your neighbors and your yes. the members of your community, and it's being celebrated by the, your neighbors and the members of your community of our community. Exactly, because we're all humans first, and we're all all neighbors, and which is the joy of community theater. Yeah, you, you know. and you get to do something like this, and it's very exciting that that you've taken on this challenge. Yeah, it's, it was a very intimidating. I have to admit that it's it's a little bit scary, but you know, it's 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 you know, in some ways, I feel like I'm coming home to tell my story finally. <laughs> you know, and that's it, I get very emotional about that. People mm-hmm. have been working so hard, Paula. I can't praise them enough. I mean, my dancers, the Cajels, they have put in so much extra time. They spent Memorial Day weekend at the theater working on dances. They were there last Saturday morning at 10 o'clock to rehearse their dances for two or three hours. We've had several Saturday morning makeup sessions and how do we yes. do the eye, you know how do we get i have very bushy eyebrows and how do i get those to lay down and, and i heard you had a professional makeup consultant come in yep mm-hmm. because a prof- yep a, a, a professional queen and then yesterday one of my friends who does drag came in and we made a second attempt i've tried it four times to try to get these eyebrows down <laughs> Do you, are you going to have to shave them? Well, that, that's the last resort. I'm okay. hoping not to have to go there. 
Because that, that would... Then... There has been a commitment to body hair removal that I was not prepared for. <laughs> and the beard. And you the have... beard, yes. Because I've had a beard for five years, and so this is... An, an... I those are the things you don't first right. think of, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I know, I have a couple, I have one young man in this show, he's like, you want me to shave what? Like, Your armpit. And he's just like... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little extra. Yeah, it was a little much for 9 a.m., but... <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I mean, just the, 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 the pieces that you have to think about to put this on and to, you know, make it an experience that's... I, I don't know what right the right word is for that. Well, representation matters. Yeah. And, you know, this show is all about illusion and yes. and taking in the metaphor metaphorical sense of of how those illusions can break down and how we need to break down what we the illusions that we have about others mm-hmm. you know and and so it's an important aspect that might be the perfect way to end the show what a really lovely i'm just so excited for you this is lakasha fall and this i might have goofed that up oh, but i'm perfect. doing my best that was wonderful uh, okay Carla. <laughs> And it's opening up next Friday, June 17th, 2022, at the Paradise Center for the Arts, put on by The Merlin Players. So you want to get the, if you do, onto the website, themerlinplayers.org or paradisecenterforthearts.org. You can get tickets, as Juliana mentioned. They are selling quickly, so you want to jump on this. It's going to be an, uh, just, it's so great to be back in the theater and, as an audience member. And, that this, and this would be the perfect show to come back yes. and just forget about all that's going on. Yep. Immerse yourself in a fun play and it's huge and big and fun and loud and great and just it'll be wonderful buy a glass of wine sit down and enjoy (laughs) that's right that's something you can do at the paradise (laughs) folks this is art zany radio i want to thank juliana sklusacek and eric Parrish for being on art zany radio i'm just thrilled that this is going to be a production to not miss Thank you so much for having us. We'll see you at the theater. You will, absolutely. Folks, I thank you for being a part of the show. I want to make sure... I believe I got a note from Susan Vistendahl. I forgot to pull it up, but she's giving a presentation on the Archer House, so you should take a look at that. I think it's at the um, 50 North, so go ahead and and look that up. Thank you, Susan, for listening. I know you always do. And I want to remind you, don't forget to add some art zany to your life. And, of course, in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany. Radio for the Imagination with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. 95.1, The One. Still a friend you can count on.